Hello and welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with me, Lydia. Thank you for joining in for another week. Again, I am recording from my home out in the middle of the English countryside, which is really nice and very quiet. I hope everyone is doing well. I know a lot of people graduated this week, which is mad and and sad. I know that it must be a kind of not the graduation that you expected, especially if you've been in a school for a really long time and you and you kind of penciled out what, what would happen for you and what you would experience. So it must be very a shame that you don't get to do that but you've still done so well it's still a massive achievement to get to the end of your training and you know I know it's hard right now but futures will open up and you guys will have excellent amazing careers so best of luck to anyone who's listening who has just graduated today I talked to Kane Silver of the ins and outs podcast and you should definitely listen to his podcast I know I did and it was another reason and I used his podcast for a lot of inspiration for my own. And it was, yeah, part of the reason why I started mine. Kane has been doing it for two years and is great. And it, he is really a credit to himself. He has done so much work. And I was reading and, and researching him for my interview. The amount of things he has done is remarkable. He has performed with Kylie Minogue, Justin Bieber, Jason Derulo, Nicole Scherzinger, One Direction. He's been on shows like Dancing with the Stars, Bryn Scott Talent, The Ellen Show, Strictly Come Dancing, X Factor, MTV shows. It's mad. And, and it's he's got a wealth of knowledge that he imparts with me which is really really great but yeah definitely check out his podcast as well we talk a lot about this kind of toxic professionalism that exists in the dance world and it's it's a hard one to balance I know professionalism is a, is a real tool and is a real an important skill that we have to learn and makes us employable and you know helps build our reputation but there is a line I Kane opens up about how he lost his brother and kind of the mentality and, and the experience he had when he found out what had happened and it's a really good example of of how we've been trained and, and sculpted yet to have this professionalism that sort of goes, nope, I'm going to check my feelings at the door and I'm going to be present and right here. Kane obviously was okay and, and, he, and he felt like that was what he needed to do and he was okay with his decisions. But obviously there is times in many people's lives, especially, you know, young dancers, I think as well where you're not processing your emotions because you've checked your emotions at the door, you've left them in the changing room, you haven't brought them into the studio. And you know, teachers will be the first one to tell you that that's what you have to do as a professional if you're performing so many times a week. You can't afford to be, oh, this happened, that happened. You know, you, you have to. And it is, it's, like I said, it's a balance. But it can be quite detrimental and it can, it can cause problems, I think, if, you, if we don't associate the emotional with our professional life and I know for sure I've experienced that myself and I remember being in a therapy session actually we'll get into that later I'm sure and my therapist asked me to leave the room she was like Lily you're putting on a show for me you're putting on that everything's fine and you're putting on this act like you would do in a ballet studio but I don't want that I want you to leave that outside and I think that kind of like oh I don't have to tell you everything's fine I don't have to put on this act I don't have to pretend was really really powerful and it's something I try bring into my daily life and if I'm not feeling great for a show I go okay fine this show is going to be 80% Lydia and to be 80% means that I can be 100% again but I have to accept that I'm not going to be on it every time because life does happen and dancers are humans you've heard it here first we are humans so I think it's really important to give yourself time and be kind to yourself and acknowledge that yeah you you will be affected by things that happen in your life and you don't have to carry the burden of being perfect um so it was really really interesting to kind of get that into get talk to him about that we also talked a lot about leaving home came lived in LA for a few years and has a really interesting experience there and I think as a commercial dancer that's obviously where a lot of the action happens and it's a he talked a lot about that kind of losing that safety net and especially as, as a ballet dancer I experience people all over the world and you move and like now I have I've left 
my parents, after, you know, everyone I know to move to a new city. And it is quite a scary thing to do, but we take it in our stride. It's, what it's, it's what's expected of us. So it's really interesting talking to him about that. And yeah, like losing that safety net and, and, and building your own network. Someone new, it's a, it's a gift as well. But yeah, it does come with its own, its own problems, as you can imagine. Anyway, weekly plug, please give us a subscribe and a rating would be fabulous. I've already got a few, but I love to hear more from you. It means so much to me and really helps my visibility. I don't ask, don't really ask me how, but apparently the algorithms on podcasts, Apple podcasts, the more ratings you have, the more like likely it is to be found by people who haven't found me via Instagram. So help a girl out, please. Anyway, that'd be great. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. But please let me know if you want to hear more about something or see from someone else's perspective or X, Y, Z. I don't know. But please let me know because I really want to give you what you want. Give the people what they need, right? But I hope everyone is okay and has a great week and stay excellent. Hi, Kane. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to have you. I adore your podcast. So it's a real honor to have you on mine. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It's it's nice to be not the one interviewing someone else, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I love this because we've got great sound quality. You're going to be like super relaxed. It's going to be a top-notch interview, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I had a cider beforehand to calm me down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm different. You're in the hot seat now. Yeah, I won't make it too yeah. painful, I promise. <laughs> it's all right. Um, your CV is just like filled with TV adverts. You've done tours, you've done so much and it's, it's amazing. And it's really, really interesting to kind of see the, the range of work that you can get nowadays as a dancer. But before we kind of get into that, I'm actually really interested to know how you started. I mean, you come from Wales and correct me if I'm wrong. Is there many Welsh dancers? Like, did you have that role model growing up? Um, when I first started dancing, I didn't know I was dancing. I went to an after-school club where basically a group came into my school and did a performance on... Uh, remember when micro-scooters were the thing? Yes, of course. So there was a boys, a group of boys came into my school and did a performance on micro-scooters to music. And I was like, that was cool. And I never looked at it as dance. I just saw them all skating around on scooters. But they was like, they were jumping on beat of the music and they were, mm. doing, they were crossing each other in time with the music. And like, it was very well choreographed. But I didn't realize it was dance. You know, so yeah. uh, I joined the after school club for that. Um, and then they were like, oh, I was expecting the woman, Tracy, to rock up with a bunch of scooters for us to use. And she was <laughs> like, cool. So this is our dance group. And I was like, you what? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you just sold it to me last week that everyone's on scooters. Like, what the hell's going on? You'd be on? like duped into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but it wasn't even dance. It was just like moving with music on. Like, I, I can't tell you I learned to dance step. Not that whole time. It'd be like run and jump over four people, but you're only allowed to do it while the music is playing. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it, they made it very boisterous and athletic and like competition. Like, like who can mm. jump over the most people? Who can run up the wall the highest? But you're only allowed to do it with music on. And it kind of taught me, and I liked music anyway, always growing up, but it kind of taught me a relationship with music. And like before, instead of just going on your mark, I said, go, she'd count you in before you yeah. go. Like she goes six, seven, go. And like, do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I'd learn music. I just learned music and I learned to love music without even knowing I was doing it. Yeah. And then I guess it came to the point where it was like, you can come to a place called Rubicon Dance and join the group because you're really good. And I was like, okay, mm. like I'll come. And then it was, that's when it became a bit more dancey and it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to learn the worm today. I'm going to learn a six step. <laughs> um, but I never really saw it as like a career. I mean, I, it was just fun and yeah. I played football and rugby growing up. And then when I went to high school, 
I stopped going to that place because I mean, high school in its own being a white ginger person in my school was already a challenge as it was, um, let alone liking dance. So I stopped dance, just focused on football and rugby. And then there was an audition to dance for, no, before that, my mate went to me, you should do the uh, high school talent show. Like he danced as well. He was from my primary school. He did the thing with me. His name was Carl Reese. And he was like, we should do it. And I was like, nah, we'll get beat up. Like, <laughs> he's like, nah, 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 let's do it. I was like, okay. So we did 21 seconds by So Solid Crew and the whole school went mental. Like I was wow. so nervous. We were rubbish. Like, but I felt like damn Justin Bieber. Um, but the whole, I was so bad. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I met another boy who's my best friend now called Kyle Anthony. who's had a very successful career as well. And he was like, yo, I want to learn that with you. And I was like, well, come to, let's go back to Rubicon, the place where I did Rubicon Boys. So I got him into that. And then my best friend, like my sidekick was doing it. So I felt like I had like, I felt like we were Batman and Robin. Yeah, it's like strength in numbers. Yeah, like it wasn't like, oh, you're the only one doing it now. And it's weird. Mm. There's two of us. So I felt safe. Then we saw an audition in the local newspaper for, um, to dance for the local radio station, Red Dragon FM. And it was with a new company called Fahrenheit. Um, and I went and joined, I went and auditioned for it. I remember being in maths and I was looking at the cutout on a piece of paper and my teacher, Miss Morris, went, what's that? And I was like, oh, nothing. She went, no, what is it? And I was thinking, oh, I'm about to get grilled. So I'm not doing my work as per usual. <laughs> and um, I showed her it and she's like, oh, that's cool. Are you going to do it? And I was like, no. And she's like, why? I was like, I don't know. I'm just not. And she went, have you rung up to audition yet? I'd like to book your space? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, go in the cupboard ring them and book your space and I was like what we're maths like okay <laughs> so I went and did it and I booked me and my best friend Kyle in and we went to that and we started we got the audition we did the whole mm-hmm. audition process which was at the time very nerve-wracking and mind-blowing when I look back at it probably like was a walk in the park but at the yeah. time it was a very new experience never auditioned for anything and uh got it and started doing performances for like the local radio station in front of like uh, for like party in the park or the firework display and there'd be like a okay. thousand two thousand people watching and I was like yo this is amazing and this whole time through my dance period I guess there was a teacher called Kaz Johnson and he was like a massive inspiration he was um, a black gay guy mm-hmm. so very different to me like I was like football rugby hard rugby tackle and he was like <laughs> wore sequin tops and glittery belts but I always remember thinking how cool he was yeah. and how nice he was and I was like I don't know. There was just something about him, which was like, yo, I love what you do. And he really inspired me. And he was the one who kind of was like, you can do dance for a job. And I was Mm. like, shut up. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever. Never thought anything of it. Started doing competitions. Then I saw the judges and I was like, so why are they judges? I just thought they'd just be good dancers or good dance teachers. And there was a a guy called Glenn Ball. And, um, he was one of the head judges and I remember him saying, he's just been on tour with Kylie Minogue and he's been doing X Factor tour. And I was like, what? Yeah. You can do all these things like mm-hmm. from dance and you get paid for it. And I was just like, I just wanted to be Glenn Ball yeah. from that moment. Like I wouldn't say there was any dancers in Wales, which there wasn't anyone in Wales really to look up to except for Kaz. He did like bump and grind. Um, but I didn't know of anyone else really. I looked yeah. up to him, but it wasn't a, he didn't do it as a career. He taught as a career and happened to be on a TV show. So my first glimpse of seeing dance as a career was from Glenn Ball. And I was just like, I just want to be him. Yeah. Like what steps do I have to take to do what he does? And he's this beautiful six foot looking model. Who's a great dancer. Like, <laughs> do you mean, couldn't yeah. be, again, couldn't be any further away from a five foot eight pasted ginger kid. <laughs> um, 
and I was just, I don't know, it just inspired the hell out of me. And then the goal was to do whatever it took to get on stage for X Factor or a TV show yeah, and yeah. have it as a job. It's amazing. It sounds like a really nice introduction to dance where a lot of like acceptance and support, even like you said, yeah, from a maths teacher actually still kind of steering you and opening up those doors. That's so a really like nice way for it to be, to be given to you. Yeah, my school really wasn't accepting and welcoming to new things, okay. you know, but like where my teachers, they weren't supportive as in like, you can do this for a career. Like I remember going to my, uh, you know, when you go and ask the teacher, they do like, I guess, a, a work day where you tell, I don't know what it's called, but you tell yeah. them where you want to be and they help you guide it. I said, I want to be a dancer. And they were like, we can't help you go over there. <laughs> Even on my yeah. work experience, I went to Rubicon to do my work experience where I'd been dancing, obviously for that time. And yeah the whole work experience was learning how to be a teacher. And I was working with people with disabilities, elderly mm -hmm. people, and they only let me do one week there because it wasn't classed as a real job. Gosh, so I, wasn't allowed interesting. To do my two I was only allowed to do one week and then I had to go and be in my dad's like car shop selling yeah. car parts for the other week because they wanted me to do something which was sustainable and real. Oh, that's so interesting. And it's actually more of a credit to you that you actually, you weren't around except for this, you know, Glen Ball, you said, but you actually, you, you found your own job, you know, you carved out your yeah. own path because it wasn't actually in front of you. And like you said, yeah, it wasn't really accepted. Yeah. I, I was just never afraid, I guess, to ask people for advice who mm. I guess knew or were okay. in the know. There were so many people around me that didn't know or weren't in the know there I'd just be like, cool, what do I do next? Like, and everything, everyone was always like, you need to learn ballet. You need to go to dance college. So that was the goal then. It was like, okay, before you think about how you become a professional dancer, it's like, I need to get the skills required yes. to complete that. Even though I guess now in hindsight, I would look at it very differently. But at the time, it was just one step at a time. I never saw an end goal. I was like, okay, I've got to get to a dance college. My goal is to get to a dance college. How do I get there? And it was just one one goal at a time as yeah, opposed to yeah. in the big goal really far away yeah and actually that sometimes is a better way of doing it because it can be incredibly overwhelming when you're like i've got to get from a to b and there's a that's a really big leap but yeah mm. to do it kind of like step at a time you know is yeah you got, to, got to take pit stops on the way you know yeah <laughs> and moving like into the professional world i think it's a really interesting transition probably more so i think for like commercial dancers because you work your contracts are much shorter and it's like you know it's a freelance lifestyle that jump from being in school and kind of like, you know, taken care of and you had that nurturing and I guess, you know, being guided to then suddenly you're out in the big wide world, you're in the middle of London. How was that those first few years for you? Like to find your own space, support yourself and, you know, be a dancer, do the actual life. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess from the competition scene where I was always doing competitions and I went, I got to meet lots of judges mm -hmm. and make lots of friends with people who are already in the industry. And they were kind of like, you could do this as a job. I remember um, Patrick, Patman, and Lizzie Goth and Pete Francis, now known as Pete Styles, said to me, you could do this professionally. And I was always like, yeah, yeah, cool. And they're like, no, no, you could really do this professionally. And even though that was always the goal, I think I was so inclined in just dance training. I never saw beyond dance training. Yes, yeah. Like I can't, you know, you kind of get absorbed and college Definitely. becomes your entire world. So where I'd met people on the way, Actually, once I got into London, I already knew lots of people who were already working. Okay. Like I've said it quite a lot of times, but 
who you know is a massive part of this industry, especially mm. in the commercial world. And I'm, you know, I think people get caught up with it or oh, you need to kiss ass, but it's not that it's just like, be nice to people you meet on the way. Like before I'd even moved to London, I was going to dance to excess to take classes. My goal one time was just to get, before even being a professional dancer was my dream was to be in dance to excess. Well, getting in dance to excess got me to meet Cisco, got okay. me to meet like all these other people who were working. My first ever job I did, was the Royal Variety Show for George Sampson in 2008. Nice. Um, I was still in college, told my teacher I, being, I got the job and Glenn Ball kind of got me the job. Um, I didn't really know many dancers then. And like there I met like Leanne LeMay and I was like, got speaking to her and I was like, what do you do? She's like, I'm in Dance to Excess. Like it's the best training company. That made my goal to get into Dance to Excess. Not to keep doing jobs, but just to do the things that other people who were professional dancers, in air quotes for people that can't see, were doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And actually, it's something that I don't think is school or college necessarily prepare you for is actually, like you said, it's, it's networking, it's grafting, it's, it's picking up little things from the people you meet and learning how they got there and seeing if you can do that yourself. Mm, yeah, so I guess my first, my first two years, my first year in London, like I, I dropped, I got a scholarship to Millennium and I left after eight weeks because I was just like, this isn't for me mm. at all. I went to a college before that called Liberatus for two years, did foundation. And then I did six or eight weeks in millennium and I left because I was just like, I'd already done a tour by that point um, with very experienced dancers. Okay. So I was like, I've already had a taste of work life. I've already done the Royal Variety Show and I'm still going to train in musical theater, something that I have zero interest in. Yeah. It never really made sense to me. And yeah. like, they'd be like, okay, so when you get an agent and I'd be like, I've got an agent. And they'd be like, well, you can't have it you need to use one of ours. And I was like, what? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You're, mm. you're stopping me. Like they were stopping me from doing what I was already doing, even though yeah. that's why I'm going there to achieve it. Yeah. That's interesting. It, it never made sense to me. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to take class with Carlos Neto or Cisco after college. And they're like, you're not allowed to take class after college. And I'd be like, what? Like, yeah. You should want me to do as much training as possible. Like it, it just never made sense to me. Um, so I left millennium. A week uh, lost all the support from, I guess, my previous college teachers. They were like, you're an idiot. You've just given away a scholarship. My parents were like, we'll support you, but now we're not paying your rent. Like they paid okay. for my rent when I first went to Millennium in London. And they're like, you have to figure this out on your own. I moved home for a week. And then a guy called David Ratcliffe, who lives in LA now, he's one of my best friends now. He wasn't. He was like, I've got a spare room. And I just took it. I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know how I was going to survive. I didn't know anything. And I would say within that first two weeks of moving into that house with him cisco and all these other really high profile people they weren't my friends at the time i just knew them from going to dance to excess training or meeting them at a competition when they were judging me they were people who i know and would say hello to but they weren't my friends okay hanging around moving in with david he was their friend i became part of the bubble i became part of their clique yeah. and that i would say was a huge factor in an early start i'd yeah. say i had a good solid 10 months of like struggling like no work whatsoever like yeah. jumping over the train barriers to not pay a ticket like getting off at waterloo before they had gates there and running past the guards so I don't get caught <laughs> like stood outside pineapple trying to make friends with the teachers to get free class and i'd be like i'll yeah. press play and pause for you instead of taking the instead of paying for the class and they'd be like okay cool like networking just very just, interesting i just knew that i had to be where all the professionals were and at the time, all the professionals were at Pineapple. So if well, I'd just spend my day outside Pineapple, even yeah. if I wasn't taking class, I'd just try and make friends there. I'd go and sit in the cafe. I'd speak to the receptionist. Like, 
And it just all came through networking. And then David introduced me to all these influx of people like Anthony Kay, Sean Niles, Kimberly Taylor, like Randall, Theo. I became part of their clique. So then when job opportunities came, you were if there. they were photographing it, I'd get it. Mm. Or even if it would be like to get on Dancers Inc. Everyone auditioned to get on Dancers Inc. I didn't. I bumped into Chris Minow in the train station and Anthony Kay said, this is Kane Silver and you're going to put him on your books. Wow. You know, and it was like, from being obviously being i guess kind of talented mm. was a part of it but being a f- being friends with all these higher people in a higher position for me or more experienced than me they really helped me okay and that was a massive push for me yeah and i think it's it's a good reminder that actually you have to be an individual and you have to have like a good character past what you do and there's yeah. obviously such a it is a cutthroat world we live in and it can be so easy to to get competitive into and to only see the goal as the job or you know booking mm-hmm. whatever but actually you have to be a nice person and like being a nice person can get you places it's really really important to remember that definitely and like i think about people who weren't as fortunate as i was to you know be friends with these people right at the beginning of my when I move into London. So any questions I had or anything I didn't know, I always had someone to go to. Yeah. If I had an audition, I'd message Anthony Kay and be like, yo, what should I wear for this? And he'd be like, you're too short. Come to my house and I'll lend you heel lifts. And that's kind of the reason why I wanted to start my podcast because I know loads of people don't have that opportunity to just message someone who's at the top of the game going, what do I do? Yeah. You know? So that was for me, honestly, an absolute game changer. So massive shout out to everyone who helped me in the, well, the entire journey, but especially those first year, year and a half. Yeah. Um, you've obviously lived in LA and done lots of jobs there and it kind of really is the commercial center. Um, how does that differ from London? Obviously it's such a risk, like anything, you know, I've moved away from home. A lot of people were lucky to be from like the UK. There was a lot of good opportunities there, but we still all tend to leave as well. But what was your experience like in LA? How did you find it compared to London? Mm, a lot more opportunity, mm-hmm. a lot more competition, ah. um, <laughs> a lot more competition. Everyone there is aiming to be someone or something. No one's moving there to be like, an accountant (laughs) like you just feel like you don't meet people everyone is there to be something or be someone um which is very inspiring super duper inspiring Mm. because you're like oh i'm around people who are hungry but when you're feeling tired and down like that's not who you want around you so i I found la an amazing place for work it was fantastic but i was very lonely and it took me a long time to realize i was very lonely there um i filled my loneliness and my gaps with being busy So I was just making sure that there was never a moment where I had a chance to think about how I felt and I was always working towards my goal. So if I wasn't on the job, I would be doing something to get on the job. I'd be going to the gym. I'd be taking class. I'd be going on a hike. I'd be finding some sort of way to make money to keep me there another month. I'd be on Craigslist looking for butlering jobs or like any sort of way to make an income so I could pay that month's rent to be there another month to chase the dream. Uh, I didn't, have that as much in london in london for me even when i was broke i was never going to be homeless i always had my family and someone to i always had a backup plan yeah in la there was there was no backup plan Mm. (laughs) that's that was the biggest difference i guess in london i was so broke at the beginning and i don't even remember being that broke i remember eating sausage rolls and cereal every day and not paying for train tickets but i never remember feeling down about money yeah in la i remember feeling stressed about money every single day Gosh. Every single day you'd wake up and go, what do I do today to A, make my dreams come true, 
B, make sure I can pay my rent. Yeah. And it's the reality of it, isn't it? Like it can be seem so glamorous to be like, oh yeah, I'm living it up in LA, but it's like, yeah, but you're still, you're doing the same things, but without a safety net. Yeah, for sure. Like, and when you're there on an O one one visa, you can't just get a job at a bar. You can't just go and work in Starbucks. Like I kind of dodged the loophole and I go-go danced in a gay bar in a speedo while people took money in my pants. <laughs> I absolutely despised it, but I was following the rules of I was performing because yeah. that's what I was there to do. And it made sure that I could fund chasing my dream. So it was a sacrifice that I had to take. I was miserable as hell doing it and I despised it, but it was good money for the the time and effort that I'd have to put into it. Yeah, it's amazing stuff like that. And again, that's just, I find things like that so interesting. And every, every dancer has a story like that. People just do not acknowledge the side hustle to, to exist Hell as no. a dancer. It's so hard and everyone has to do it and you might not like it. And it is often like the most unglamorous thing, but you have to do it and you swallow it because it's, it's worth the bigger dream. Yeah, and it makes you appreciate the bigger dreams even more. Definitely, yeah, like exactly. It, I, can't, I haven't had many real jobs in air mm. quotes. Um, and if I have, they probably haven't lasted over a week. I think I've had three and none of them have lasted over a week. Um, but only because a dance opportunity would come. So I'd be yeah. like, I'm gone. I'm not wasting my time doing that. I'm going to invest like all eggs in one basket. I'm going to dance. Yeah. Whereas I wasn't fortunate. That was when I was in the UK in LA. I wasn't fortunate enough to do that. So I had to keep my side hustle. But the great thing about that was I'd be side hustling in a place where, I mean, at the time I absolutely despised it, but Jamal Sims would walk in with his husband at the time and I'd meet people in there and they'd see me and they go, you look great in a speedo. You got a great body. You should do this job. And I'd be like, okay. Like, and I'd be with other dancers. Yeah. I was with a guy called Daniel who's from Canada, who's just been on tour with Cher. I got to meet a guy called Mike Silas who'd performed with Lady Gaga for years. Like I got to network and meet other dancers and in a community of dancers that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise. Yes. I was go-go dancing in a gay bar, but those necessarily weren't the, or for those choreographers or for those specific typecasts, I wasn't going to those auditions, but because I was meeting those people in that environment, then I was getting asked to do jobs with them. So if Mike Silas choreographed the music video, I would do the music video because I was friends with them. Again, a huge part of it comes down to who you know. No, it's just the power of networking and actually it can come from the most unlikely situations. Yeah. Regarding the difference between London and LA, I think they're both what you make it. Okay. It is like, and everyone's experience is going to be different. Some people have gone to LA and despised it. Some people have loved it. There are moments I love and moments I despise. But for me, where I'm at in my life, being back home in the UK is a win. When I was away, I, was, I lost my younger brother. Um, so that was a massive changing point for me. That was like, okay, what do I class as important now? Yeah. What are my priorities? My priorities were no longer chasing the dream and dancing. My priorities became family really quick. And yeah. I was like, okay, I've sacrificed relationships with my family. I mean, before I lost my brother, the last time I probably spoke to him was a year before. And it was probably telling him he's an idiot. Mm. Well, like, do you know what I mean? It probably wasn't a very nice interaction. Mm. And I lost all of these things, not because of dance, but because I was so invested in dance, I wasn't invested in my family and time and the important things which I see now. So it did a big change for me from career chasing to having more of a balance. Yeah, I was yeah. so blinkered, like the amount of relationships I broke up with for dance, like with other with, with girls and the amount of friendships I kind of didn't keep investing in because I was like, that doesn't align with my goal. Yeah. Whereas I guess once I lost my brother, all that changed and I was like, okay, I need to find a balance now because my whole life has never been balanced. It's just been career driven. 
yeah. or, or chasing a goal. How do I get to college? How do I get into dance to success? How do I move to London? How, it was always about chasing a goal. Mm. And, and now it's, it's just about balance, I guess. Yeah, and it is always, it's sad that a, you know, a moment like that comes about obviously but I think it's just it's that growth isn't it and you're right we have we sacrifice so much we have such tunnel vision because I think it's because it's so competitive you have to have tunnel vision it's the only way to kind of get anywhere so it pushes you and pushes you but then you get to a point where actually it's like you have to decide what success is for you what it actually mm-hmm. is your priority and what is it that you want to come home to and what is successful for you and actually if it is having that work-life balance then like you don't have to compete anymore you don't have to be in this tunnel vision like rat race you decide I want this in my career and that's that's where I find success yeah and success is different for everyone of course. and I feel like especially now more than ever we we place success on what other people's expectations are not mm-hmm. on what our own are like LA is the we'll just use it as an example everyone says once you move to LA you like you've made it right but that's mm-hmm. not true I know loads of dancers who've never gone to to live and work in LA who are f- maybe far more successful than dancers that have yeah but some people have gone to LA and been very successful it's like we place success on what other people's values are a lot of the time or what we're sold to be as success and not what we truly believe is successful yeah. growing up if someone said to me you're going to do a cruise ship i'd have said there's not a chance on earth that's, that's not success to me but to someone else that is success yeah like, no it's dead on different and i feel like that's something that we we forget yeah you know like and you also like you change like you evolve and suddenly what success to you today isn't in a few years time and you have to be able to like have that flexibility because if you are so close-minded you actually could lose so many opportunities so many good times and and the chance to further your career if you if you are so like now reminded about things a hundred percent and your your successes and your goals will always change and even when you reach a goal and then you class that as success you won't be satisfied you'll find a new one yeah, so and it is, and I think a lot of it comes with maturity. I guess is is finding that that inner like you decide, and maybe it's because in school you have you pleasing a teacher, you're pleasing a director, and it's always like someone else's opinion matters more than your own. But when you are like let loose, that director, that teacher is you. You have to please yeah. you, and that's how you get the satisfaction and the enjoyment, and and that's how you maintain a career. I think is by you being pleased with your own efforts. A hundred percent. It's really interesting. And going back to your brother, I listened to your episode, the Inside Out series that you do on your podcast. It was a heartbreaking story. And um, I think it is such a good example of the things that we are expected to go through as dancers. There's Mm -hmm. the level of professionalism that we are expected to, to, to do is I think so much higher than any other profession. You know, if you're working in an office, you're not expected to go through the things that we go through and not like, blink an eyelid like we are have such a high pressured situation and we're always just told like you know be professional be professional and it's it's amazing what you went through and the strength that you like showed is remarkable and like was there anything those moments where it was really really hard for you what what was the thing that kept you going um well i'll explain it a bit because people listening who have not heard it are probably thinking what on earth is she on about (laughs) it sounds like madness and you know it's like (laughs) there's an elephant in the room and no one's talking about it um so i was on going to set for a commercial a vodka commercial in la in the most beautiful set in the entire world if you've watched uh, chris brown's new flame video all the white walls and the water that's the set um we were going there and i arrived at about i don't know 7 a.m or something um and i got a phone call from my mum, and i was like what this is madness like 
she never rings me like never i always ring her if she rings me something's wrong so i was like what's yeah. up and she just basically went your brother's your brother's died he committed suicide yesterday and i was like what so obviously i had a complete meltdown on this bus and my friend matt was there to console me and like kind of help me and i feel like it was a a life-changing moment on on the spot and it, it hit me like nothing has ever hit me before i can't even describe like i genuinely can't even describe the feeling mm. um and i'm sure people if they've been through something traumatic it'll relate to how they felt, but I can't actually yeah. put that feel into words. Um, so I had a breakdown, kind of got myself together, walked to set. I didn't even need to explain what had happened because everyone could probably hear me crying from the bus to the, where the location was. My friend Matt kind of went around and told everyone and my friend Alex Shondoff was there as well. They went and kind of filled everyone in with what's happened. They gave me my own holding area so I didn't have to be with everyone. Yeah. Um, and they were just kind of said to me, what do you want to do? you can go home if you want. We'll send you home. And I was like, hell no. Like, I'm not going home. Like, what, what, what good is going home? I can't go home home. I can't go back yeah. to the UK right now. So I'm here to do a job. I'll just do the job. And I feel like we have this thing as performers, right? Where it's like, the show must go on. Totally. That's, that's what we're taught, right? Every single performer, exactly. whether they've got a career or don't, you know that the show must go on. And that's just, that was my mentality the entire time. I wasn't doing that for me. I was doing it for everyone else because we'd rehearsed for two days. I'm part of the picture. I'm part of the vision. My two friends, Kulian and Noah Velinsky, were choreographing it. It was more than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? The it's the greater good. The bigger picture wasn't about me. It was about everyone. If I went home, it made everyone's day more difficult. And the whole day was constantly them checking up on me if I'm okay. And it's probably like a hundred degrees in the desert. We're in this water thing. And I remember doing a take. <laughs> they would do a take. I'd like wipe my eyes, pull it together. In my head, I was killing it. Yeah. Probably was not killing it. Probably the worst thing in the entire world. As soon as the take would finish, all my energy would go. I'd have a little meltdown. I'd go on my own in this beautiful place, which looked kind of like heaven if what i imagine heaven to look like i have a little cry they do do another take and I do it again and uh yeah they were just very very supportive but i don't know why in our profession we feel like we have to do those things even though i was given the opportunity to leave and i don't think this is due to me being a superhero i'm not crediting it to me i'm crediting it to something that is dr drilled into us our entire time of training or learning. And I really think if you've been to a dance college, this is where you learn this. I think this is something that you learn in college. I don't know if you learn it just taking a dance class. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or you learn it if you're already in a career. But it is. It's just like the show goes on. And it, it wasn't about me. Even though I was having a meltdown, I was like, this isn't about me. I'm not here for me. I'm here for my friends who are creating the video and we're here to sell a product and the job must get done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it's, I, you're, I would love to understand the root of it because it's shown in so many ways. I mean, your case is a, a very like tragic example of it, but it, in small ways, it always does exist. You know, you just wipe away the tear and you go on. And, and maybe it's because what we do is, is seen, you know, it's aesthetic. So I guess it's like a, a generous thing. It's actually not, like you said, it's not to do with us. It's to do with the other person, the consumer, the, the audience, it's their vision. Mm. And you're there for that. You're there as a part of, cre of, of creating that. But you're right. It's, a, it's an innate 
lesson that we all learn somehow along the way that I don't really know where it stems from. And it shows, I think it's, it, it shows, I think what dancers are like. We have, we're so proud. We're so professional. And I, you know, we'll do whatever you ask. We really will. And I think that's not appreciated enough is, is our need to please and our just how much you can push us and the strength we will really, really show when it comes to it. Yeah, we are professional guinea pigs. Yeah. Like it's like if you base our whole career is around people telling us what to do and us executing it to the highest standard possible, mm. which is bizarre, right? Like yeah, we totally. aimed, we started this to be creative. Like we like dancing because we're creative people. Most most people, not because we're really good at taking instruction. When my mom said clean your room, I never cleaned my room. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason, I just like dancing through this process of just like in dancing to becoming a professional, I've learned to be really good at taking instruction. Yeah. I've, I've understood that. So the whole thing isn't about me doing what I wanted to do in that moment. Cause I damn right. I wanted to go home, but it was about doing what everyone needed me to yes, do. Yes. Yeah. The expectation that was on you and, and just being like, yeah. And acknowledging how much harder it make everyone else's life. And you don't want to do that. You're a team you've worked together. It's just knowing that this is your place, do the job, and suck it up which is which is yeah. really sad because those moments are not you know in a maybe it's not the most caring considerate but you're right we just do it and it gets us it gets us through it i think yeah like i think my my that example is very extreme yes definitely so not everyone can relate to that but i'm pretty sure most people can relate to doing a show hungover <laughs> like how many dancers do we know who have done a contract who have called in sick not many yeah, yeah they, it's so not true. an option very often like oh i've, I've pulled my leg yeah. Are you going to go on stage or not? Yeah, yeah, I'll still go on. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's just this thing we've got, whereas people in an office, they'll be like, I've got a cold today, I'm not coming in. Mm. We, we just don't do that. And obviously I think it's because we love what we do as well. It's very true, yeah. So it doesn't feel like a chore. Mm. But even like, I don't know, I've never, I've never got sick pay for being a dancer. Like, it's just yeah. not something which is in our realm, I guess. I guess yeah. in West End and stuff, you get sick pay, but I've never, never been in that position. So no. for me, it's like, if I've never done the job, I never got the money. Yeah, definitely. And it is, it's, the show must go on. It's as simple as that. And I, I don't know when they tell us that or if they ever do, but we definitely like learn it, don't we? Yeah. Like think when you're in college and they, or you're doing a tech run and something happens with your costume, you can't just leave stage. You just you keep go going. On. Yeah. You just you go keep on. going. And I think it starts from the simpler things. Mm. And then we, we keep that uh, standard and we carry it through the more difficult things. Because, oh, my bra strap broke, broke on, not mine specifically, but maybe yours did. Your yeah. bra strap broke on stage. Well, cool. You can't fix it. Finish yeah. your number. Yeah. Finish so the number. True. Fix it when you get changed. Like, and it starts at the smaller stuff. And I think we just carry it to the bigger stuff. Yeah, you're right. It's just a lesson you learn that's just like grows and grows and grows. The worse the mm. thing gets, the more you have to demonstrate it. 100%. Fascinating. Fascinating. I think like the only experience I've sort of had like that is I remember I was, London auditioning had an agent and was busy busy and I actually lost my grandmother and I remember being with my sister that morning and we were so upset and my mom was like don't go in Lydia don't go in be there for your sister and I was like I and it was just like I don't I don't want to tell my agent I almost I don't want to do it I was like but I know what I can do like my mm -hmm. my you know maybe again like our skill set is our body like we completely own it so I went to the audition and actually like didn't get it but probably got as close as I've ever been and was mm. just like cool but i again the whole day was so blurred i felt autopilot whatever but like i guess because maybe we own our body we own the physicality of it that it pushes mm -hmm. us when maybe our emotional side isn't there and that like mental side is a bit bruised 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Maybe we use it as a block. Maybe yeah. we use it as a release. I feel like we all use it differently. Yeah. It's really interesting, really interesting. Anyway, moving to my next question. I think it's really, really interesting the way the kind of dance culture has changed and, and so much now is social media based and following based. And it's not just the dance world, obviously, like I'm sure models, I know models nowadays have to like write their follow account at a casting. And again, more so in the commercial world than probably like the ballet world for sure, but definitely you know, maybe less West End as well. That's so important nowadays. And there's this culture of, you know, filming videos in every studios in london and everything like that and, and you know you have to doll yourself up every time you're there i have like missed that memo so many times and arrived looking like a mess and hated it but you just do it you've obviously you know you've been in the industry for over 10 years so you've actually seen this transition like what are your thoughts on this quite erratic erratic change uh, the first time I experienced the social media moment was going to a cast, a casting in LA and they said, how many followers you got on Instagram? And I thought they were joking. I was like, <laughs> what? what are you on about? And it was a casting for like an advert or something. It wasn't like dance, dance job, but even still I was like, huh? Yeah. What do you mean? So I, I don't know. Like I'd never even, never yeah. even thought about it. You probably it. didn't even know your followers. You were like 12, oh, how many likes you, Yeah. Like, like 400 or something like that. How many <laughs> likes you get? 10 a photo. Like I didn't, no. it never even crossed my mind. And I remember that being the reality of going, oh, this is actually something. Mm. Like, this is going to be something now. And I kind of ignored it while I was in LA. Like, I never really was on the social media hype. I used my social media all the time, and I was definitely addicted to my phone. But I used it as a way of communicating with the people I love back home, my friends and family. Not a way of going, look what job I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then coming home, um, I came back from LA, and I worked straight away a lot. And that was the big transition phase. And at that point, I was really fortunate that I didn't need to go to many auditions. I'd get direct booked for stuff. So I never really had to do the whole, I've got to have a lot of followers to get the job. Okay. Like that was at the beginning in LA, but I kind of left as it transitioned, like 2015. Yeah, I missed it. And I, and I came home and kind of everyone knew who I was. So I wasn't really auditioning for stuff. But I remember seeing everyone going to class and treating class not like a class. Mm. <laughs> and treating class like auditions and I remember thinking okay this is a different atmosphere in the room like my my memories of taking class especially in London was really fun yeah was like me messing around having a good time and if you've taken class with me now anyone who's listening you'll know that I've shouted something probably really stupid or really inappropriate or tried making people laugh because to me class was a, a place to go and enjoy learn yes but to go and enjoy and have fun with people I knew like-minded people yeah and now when I go to class there's like a certain tension in the room yeah I get that like I don't go very often but when I do go there's a certain tension in the room where everyone's there to like everyone's there to kill it and to to train which is amazing but I feel like we've lost some of the enjoyment and the fun and the social aspect I'm yeah. not saying that it should all be fun and social yes of course we're going there to train but it's also got to be enjoyable, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of seeing so many people get hyped from Instagram was the thing which frustrated me the most. Like, I remember coming back from LA and I asked a teacher at Studio 68 and I can't remember who it was on the desk, but they said it wasn't TK. It was someone I didn't know. It was a guy. And he was like, um, cool. Do you have any class footage of you? And I was like, no, like mm -hmm. I, I'm not, a, I wasn't a class footage person. I didn't film my own choreography. Like I was like, no, 
I can show you my CV though. And he looked at it and he was like, I'm still going to need some class footage. And I was like, really? Like, so yeah. my steps to find the skills I have to teach, like I've had a, at the time, like a seven year, very successful career. I've got more than dance steps to teach. Like I've got experience, yeah. knowledge, like I can deliver skills, not moves. Like yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a bit more valued. Um, and that was the first real big, like negative for okay. me. I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. And then I've seen lots of people teaching with packed out classes who were just teaching steps. And I was yeah. like, but what, and what are they teaching besides movement? What, mm. what else is there to it? Um, and now I feel like it's just something which it is. It just, it is, it is what it is, right? We've all adapted. We've all changed, moved with the times. And now Instagram is a massive part of our career. Definitely. It took me a long time to accept it and I didn't want to. I wanted to do the old fashioned way. We're like, no, we get booked off our CV or we go to an audition. Not how many followers you got or I saw you on yeah. an Instagram video. But, you know, those who don't adapt, adapt get left behind. So I feel like we have to change with it. But no, you're right. And I think it's a huge it's a huge part of the, the yeah, industry. Yeah, and you can try fight it. And I think it is hard, but you're right. I think we have to accept that it's actually a tool and we really have to kind of to get used to it because it's here to stay. A hundred percent. So embrace it. Make mm. the most of it. You have to double down. It's your new CV. Yeah, yeah. And you're you right. Know? Like the intention, I've definitely felt that gone to classes and and just the intention is very, very different. Like everyone's there with an agenda and, and with a goal, which is good. Everyone's focused. I get that. And they're prepared and they've like thought about it. And, you know, they've come with in prep prepared. But yeah, it's, it can be a, a little bit frosty, which sometimes isn't always the most creative, you know, yeah. healthy breeding ground. And I, I, you know, I can't generalize all classes. I don't know. I don't take class very often. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I haven't. I've probably taken four, four different people's classes in the past three years. Mm. Like I've taken them quite a few times, but only four different choreographers. But I mean, just from watching Instagram videos and I watch people are dulled up, mm. especially chicks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's, you don't need to be in a bikini top and leggings to take class. Like yeah. unless, unless that's what you like dancing in, then yeah. do your thing. But I'm pretty sure that's not what you like dancing in. No, and it's it must be interesting for you to have seen yeah such a such a move because it's well it's just like anything I guess nowadays Instagram is really just taking over and things have changed so much but, so much. Well, back back in the day, I sound like an old fart. Back <laughs> in the day when I would take class, like the dancers, and I'll use female specifically because I feel like it's more of a difference between dressing up and dressing down. Yeah, Whereas yeah. For a guy, I guess it's you put on a pair of jeans instead of joggers. I mm. don't know, but um girls like i remember i'd take class with like leanne leanne lemay Emma walsh kimberly taylor and rebby rosie and they'd all be in sweats and a cool top mm. they were still working like they weren't there to look a specific way or to yeah. be seen a specific way. they were there to train or just to roast just to kill the combo just to have a good time to train whereas now when i go i'm like actually people are more concerned about how they look than how they're training or okay. what they're doing that's just my perception i may yeah. be wrong <laughs> it's no. just it's very interesting because all the people who worked seven eight years ago they weren't going to class with an outfit on to get a job whereas now people are but again it's because we have to adapt because that's yeah. the working formula yeah it's interesting what uh now you're kind of over 10 years in your belt and with such you know pretty much performed in any medium that you can perform in. What are you looking forward to in the future? What's kind of next for you? What are you excited about seeing? What's kind of on your horizon? Um, it's hard. I've got so many different 
uh, things now where I'm like, that would make me happy. That would make me happy. That would make me happy. But the goal is always that I'm feeling happy. <laughs> um, obviously, <laughs> life isn't about being happy. There's lots of ups and downs. To experience happiness and know what happiness is, you have to experience crapness yes. and know what struggle is. Um, so let's not discredit that because it has its purpose and it is valuable. But I just want to do stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. So I never wanted to, like I'm with the Dream Boys now. Before I joined them, I never wanted to do that. I was like, I looked down on it. I was like, that is the worst form of a dancer of a job ever. And then I tried it because they needed someone to stand, step in and learn the show in two days. And I could make good money. And a goal of mine was to always buy a property by the time I'm 30. Mm. So I was 27 and I was like, oh, I could make good money off this and buy a property by the time I'm 30 because I saw how much they were earned and it was regular income. So I did it. Even yeah. though I was going into it going, I'm never going to like this, but it's money. Like it's going to help me achieve a goal. Like I said, I like achieving goals that I set. Yeah. And I ended up loving it. I had the mm. best, I had the best experience on my first year. It was so funny. It gave me a whole different perspective to the entertainment industry or performing. And I'm still in it now. I still love it. But I am on that place where I'm like, okay, what do I want to achieve next? And how, what do I need to do to do that? My, I, in an ideal world, it'd just be to podcast all the time. Hmm. like I like having I like educating people I like inspiring people and I like talking and having fun I'm yeah. a social bunny so I feel like the only other thing besides teaching that does that is I guess podcasting or I'd need to find something that gives me the same fulfillment and ticks those boxes I feel like I need to have a purpose I can't just be doing stuff selfishly I like giving to people i think that's why i gravitate to performing like even though for a selfish reason i love the applause mm. but i love giving all my energy to someone to give me the applause when it comes to teaching i love giving people loads of knowledge and information and them get better and that makes me feel better it makes yeah. me know i've done a good job so it is selfish but it's also very giving so i guess i'm just trying to for the future find something that ticks those boxes as well yeah, no, and it's always scary. And like, it's something I'm always interested in asking all my guests is because retirement is it's a bit of a black hole for dancers. And there's kind of so many ways you can go. And it happens at different points of people's career. It can happen when you're like a bit younger, or it can happen if you're really, like really at the, you push your body until you can do it. So it's, it's a really interesting subject, I think. But I think you're right. I think it's actually just defining, keeping yourself happy, keeping yourself content, feeling satisfied and, uh, and enjoying yourself. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. good that you've kind of narrowed that down to it's, the giving it's the sharing it's the generosity and, and finding those outlets where yeah those boxes are ticked yeah i think it's about finding the things that you like about your job and where do they carry over yeah you know like what other things do they relate to like if it was to be a personal trainer i'd like that too that'd be great it's giving i enjoy moving i enjoy exercise it replicates dance a little bit like <laughs> do you yeah, know what i mean it's those definitely. same elements i guess so yeah. anything that fills those boxes but to be honest, at the moment, day by day, who knows what the future brings? Yeah. I mean, especially in this scenario, my, my idea of this year has changed dramatically of in course. three months. Mm. So I, I'm not really sure. I just go with the flow and not say, not say no to stuff. Just yeah. always, say, yeah. always say yes. Um, Lavelle Smith, if you don't know who he is, he's one of Michael Jackson's very long-time dancers and a choreographer. He once said to me, say yes to everything. And mm. I was like, what? And he was like, just say yes to everything. You might just learn not to do it again. Yeah. And I was that's like, very true. that's dope. He's like, how do you know what you don't like until you try it? You yeah. might think you don't like it, but you might like it. You know, and I've never thought I wanted to do Panto. Panto is my favorite job I've ever done in my life. 
Yeah. I never wanted to do Dream Boys. I love Dream Boys. Like, mm. if you say no to stuff, then you're closing off an opportunity. Say yes to everything and just learn what you don't want to do again. Learn yeah. what you don't want. Like. And I think, especially as dancers, like our industry is so fluid. Like, there's not really you know, you're kind of, if you can move and you can count five, six, seven, eight, you're actually kind of qualified for every type of dancing. So if you do like, I know this tunnel vision and this kind of closed mind, as we were saying earlier, but it's true because you really, you could stop yourself and really like hinder your own progress. But you know, we're, yeah. qual- we're qualified for all types of dance if you're a dancer. So you really should be open-minded. And especially as it comes to a transition, it comes to the next phase in your life and you're not really sure what it is. Just remind yourself that we actually are qualified for it all. <laughs> My last question and the one I ask all my guests is if you were to meet your younger self, you know, he, Kane is either on a scooter or he's at, I don't know, in a casting or he's, you know, in LA, whatever it is. And you see him, what would be the thing, your piece of advice for him? What would be the thing you want to prepare him for? You want to warn him, warn him about how would you, how would you help your younger self? Oh, it's an interesting one. (laughs) More to myself than to anyone else would be just keep going. Okay. Like, just keep doing it. Like, just do it all the time. Everything you're trying to achieve, just keep doing it. Keep doing it when it feels crap. Keep doing it when it feels good. And you'll figure it out. Like, I feel like in our entertainment business, as soon as we hit a hurdle, there's a sign to stop. Whereas, actually, all the no's make a yes feel more empowering. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like... It's a, it's a constant battle of getting rejected. It's a constant battle of getting told you don't look right. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. For, for most people, not for everyone. Mm. Um, I feel like I had a lot of that coming at the beginning until I started doing really well. But before that, I really feeling like that was a, a lot of no's in my way. And I just kept going. Yeah. So I would just say that just still the same thing. Like I wouldn't tell myself anything that I don't already know. Cause I feel like it's all part of the journey. Yeah. If I could give advice to someone else, that'd be different, but I wouldn't want to change my path. I wouldn't want to give myself different advice or change my journey. I'm not mad at any of my choices. I wouldn't change any of my choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part probably it'd be like invest more in your friends and your family. But then even then I might not have had the life I've had until now. So I don't know. I don't live with any regrets, really. No, it's a good way to be. And I think what you've said is does make a lot of sense. And every no you get makes that yes so much sweeter. So actually, sometimes it's kind of good to get 10 no's because that oh, yeah. 11th you, one is you the best. You appreciate that yes. When you get all yeses, you take them for granted. I, I know that feeling. I, I had a whole five years of yeses where no's then I was like, oh, never know what a no feels like. Mm. No's are good for you. Um, I, I didn't get many no's for the past however many years. And then I auditioned for Magic Mike three times and I got I got told, un, uh, I guess, not via an email, like you're going to do it, don't worry, like you're good, you're good by the, by the people above. And then when I didn't get it, I was like, yo, it killed my ego. Yeah, it was an absolute ego kill because I hadn't had no's in such a long time especially after having like a, don't worry, you're going to be good. And everyone telling me that you're going to be good. Everyone telling me that I'm perfect for it to get a no was like the biggest ego kill ever, but I needed it. It was a good thing. Like I am now I'm like dope. It reset me. It made me check myself It made me go. Okay. (laughs) Like you gotta, you gotta pull up again. Like Mm. that's a good thing to have. Yeah. No's are good. Embrace the no's. 
Great. That what a good way to end. Thank you so much, Kane. It's been really good to pick your brain and there's some really, really good stuff in there. I'm so excited to like write the show notes because I'll be like, <laughs> this, this, that, the other. Absolutely. Sorry, I go, I, I, uh, I digress a lot. No, no, it. it's good. It's good. I, I love it. I love it. But thank you so much. And My yeah. pleasure. Thank My you. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.